0: enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with cube from first arkansas bank and trust member fdic now joined by kevin mcpherson better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of hogville.net and thanks to our friends of fence brokers now let's go to Arkansas's premier basketball recruiting analyst, Kevin Hoop Scoop McPherson, for all the latest news for anything and everything basketball. Made possible by Fence Brokers. Fence brokers going the extra mile. Well, Kevin, are we somewhat now into a vacuum concerning Arkansas basketball? What's what's going on?
1: Well, I, I think we're just doing
2: light dusting right now, Randy. I don't think we're good. Very we're good. good. You know, I, I wanted one of those, but you beat me to it. Way to go, Kevin. That well, I want good. a buzzer. Here. I deserve
1: a buzzer. Here, here, okay,
0: here, here, that's, that's for both of you.
1: <laughs> that's
0: for Rick even thinking about it. His I could, I could hear his wheels spinning <laughs> all the way from Fayetteville to Little Rock.
1: No, but Kevin, be I, I try or? to tamp down my vast witticisms during these segments, Randy. But sometimes <laughs> I just can't help myself.
2: Good for you. Way to go.
1: Oh. Okay, maybe it's
0: not a vacuum cleaner. What is it then?
1: Well, I mean, we we just wrapped up limited summer practices. We know the roster. We know most of the schedule now. We've had a press conference with Eric Mussman. He, you know, kind of laid out some things about. You know, I wrote about this before the press conference, how veteran this team was. I think in our last segment, I even talked about it because we did it on Monday instead of Tuesday. And I was talking about this article I wrote. They have 35 years of combined experience, division one experience on this team, which is a huge, a stark contrast to the season before when they had six freshmen, a couple of the transfers and guys like Vazil and. You know, rookie council who were two of their main players had a combined three years of Division One experience. So it was a very young team. This is what I think stands out the most about this group. You have seven transfers. As much as po- Malsman loves the portal, that's the most he's ever brought out of the portal to Arkansas, and that's saying quite a bit. Uh, then you had the five attorneys. So I think you know when you really look at this group, not only is there experience, veteran qualities, uh, but I think there's more versati- the- diversity. And some of the skill sets on offense, I think this team, when I look at percentages of the guys they brought in, should be better three-point shooting team, should be better at the free throw line. Uh, And then, you know, when you go back, and I started thinking about this, because Melsman really talked a lot about Tremon Mark and and Devo Davis as defenders, you look at the back-to-back Elite Eight teams, they had multiple guys who Melsman constantly referred to as elite defenders. Uh, It was Jalen Tate, Justin Smith, and, and Devo, came along as a true freshman in that regard. But he had three guys. He talked about a lot about their defensive prowess in that first Elite Eight run. And then the year after that, it was a Deese Tony who came in and joined Davis. Uh, but I think this year it could be Mark and Davis kind of tag teaming as a as a as a two-headed defensive monster. I mean, if I had to pick a top five defenders since Melsman's been here going into year five, probably, you know, I mentioned Devo's name, and I mentioned some of the other ones, Jalen Tate, Justin Smith, uh, Adiz Tony, And maybe it was Jimmy Witt Jr. who he brought out of the portal in year one. But, you know, I think, I think Mark is going to be kind of in that same breath of company when Musselman talks about it throughout the season. So as they take this little break, you know, keep, there's a lot to keep an eye on when they come back and ramp things up because, you know, some of the extra scheduling news coming out when we saw the battle for Atlanta. So Arkansas's really got a loaded schedule in front of it again, I think even more so than last year, which I thought last year was his best schedule to date.
0: So after it's all said and done, when the dust is settled, as far as we can surmise, the roster is finally settled. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yes. I think we're looking at all 13 scholarship players being eligible. I also mentioned that in our, in our segment earlier in the week on Monday. That the you know, obviously the non-scholarship redshirt and Keon Minifield Jr. He's we know he's out. It's now time to uh,
0: talk to Pat Bradley, presented by Witt Davis. No, it's not.
2: Kevin, you think wow. we to give Randy the buzzer for that one?
0: I got to tell you, we we have a board that works on its own imagination. So that's all I'm going to say.
1: I thought Randy was bringing Pat in to confirm that I have <laughs> that I'm not that clever. I got lucky the last round.
2: That
1: was I thought that was what was next. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, Randy, you talk about the roster. I mean, I talk about experience and all that. They updated it to include finally um, Chandler Lawson, who did not practice with the team uh, during June, June or July, but he will be with the group when they return after this this short break. Um, and you know, he was, you know, listed previously as six, eight, they've got him on the roster at six, seven, they've got him as a fifth year senior, the same height in listing for, um, DJ Harris, who was the last name off the board, but it actually started practicing with the team right around the time that Lawson committed way back in late June. In fact, it was the day after the NBA draft when I was in New York when that Lawson news came out. Um, but, but. Harris had already been with the team in practice at that point. So but
0: why why so long, think, Kevin, before they finally announced Harris? What was the deal there?
1: Yeah, I, Randy, I think it's the optics, because they if you do that, then everybody's counting numbers and going 14, and they didn't have Minifield's playing situation resolved at ah, that point. Ah, okay. And so once you understand he's not going to be available, you can understand why they sought to go get somebody while they were trying to work that out, because you don't know how it's going to land. Um, and I always said, I'm not sure if 14 guys totally will stick around if 14 can play, because they already only play seven, maybe eight, and that just seems like a crowded room. Now the number's down to 13 as far as guys who are available. And so, I mean, you know, it looks like everybody's on board. So, uh, But that but that's, that was my sense of it. Uh, you know, it looked like at one point we're, we were going to learn the name of it, uh you know much sooner than we did, and I think they decided no, let's go ahead and make sure we know what's going on with everybody's availability, who everybody among players who the fans already know are here and, they, and so that's why they waited. but but you've got six seven, they've listed Dina J Harris on the official roster at six seven. you know, we had him at six six and what what was listed for him last year. So now Lawson and you know uh, Harris, the university senior, both of them are six, seven, fifth-year seniors. Harris aware number seven. Lawson aware number eight. And, again, you know, I, I kind of think of a guy like Trey Wade when I maybe envision what the potential is. Not saying either one of them will be as effective as he was once they put him in the starting lineup and his one and only season as a, as a veteran transfer. But I think maybe that's kind of the positional value they imagine in the potential for one or both uh, to, to maybe rise to
0: is there still though kevin not a log jam at the point position or whether it's the one or the two seems like there's a lot of players that was brought in not only uh by scholarship uh, such as true freshman blocker our leftover devo da- i'm not saying he's a leftover in that regard but i mean returning right,
1: right, and right. devo
0: davis but there, I mean, there just seems like there's so many guards now.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's one area where Minifield. I mean, the backcourt was deep in this recruiting class, and you, with Minifield out because he would have factored into that. You know, I think it, it, you know a guy like L. Ellis with all his experience is going to factor in blocker, as you mentioned. I think going to have his shot there. You know, and I think Devo Davis is still. You know, he's not a guy that. There are times you want him on the ball. There are times where he was in that role, but I don't think that he's, you know, he's fixed in that position. I think, you know, they get a lot out of him. Sometimes it's playing small ball wing, uh, playing the two. He's increased his three point shot. He seemed to be most effective, not off the bounce, but off ball movement and spot up and taking his time and getting his feet set. So him playing off the ball, too. I mean, I think, you know, there'll be times where he, they turn to him late in games because of his experience and how effective he is. When I mean, we saw it against Kansas in the NCAA tournament, Devo scored 21 half points, and a lot of that was him initiating. He got hot. And he was effective. And uh, so there will be times, but we've seen that before. I mean, Mason Jones wasn't a primary one. He wasn't even Arkansas's primary ball handler until he just basically dominated the SEC, and they figured out this is a guy we need the ball in his hands as much as possible. There were times before Isaiah Joe got hurt that season where he – finished some games with the ball in his hands. Jimmy Witt, Jr., you know, it was Jalen Tate and, and they and J.D. Notay at different times. So we've seen over the years most of them kind of shuffle around guys that are going to kind of initiate things. And, I, you know, so I'm not going to be surprised by three or four guys. In addition to the names we said, which were, you know, L. Ellis, Blocker, and, and, and Devo, I think guys like Khalif Battle, who I think is going to be a tough matchup for teams, we may see the ball in his hands at the end of games. We may see a lot of offense uh, throughout running through Trevor Brazil, assuming he's fully healthy. uh, And and we just didn't see enough of him outside of non-conference play to know how much he might be used in situations where he's got the ball a lot and some things are running through him. So I'm not saying he's going to play the one. I'm just saying Muslin always has more than one answer in terms of what he wants the looks on offense to be.
0: Can you, would you even want to try at this point, Kevin, to speculate on who you see might be the top eight?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's a tough one right now. There was not as much information, video, other things coming out. Some stuff I got, you know, that I couldn't put on the record, but still not enough to feel, to feel really good about it. But based on history, and how they might start things early, uh, I think you give the nod to mostly veteran players. I think Devo's and, and Trevor Brazil are obvious. I think Makai Mitchell started every game but one. I think Jalen Graham must have been talking about how strong he's been in terms of work ethic and bringing the right attitude and, and, and going hard every day. I think there was a guy that helped Arkansas offensively last year. So I think some of those veteran guys that are coming back, those four, to me, you're starting off with those guys in your top eight. And then I look around, I think Kalik Battle, Ellis, uh, are in there, and so that's six. Um, and then after that, that's where it gets a little bit, you know, are one of these veteran combo forwards they brought in later, they're going to sneak in there right out of the gate. So it's going to take a while since they haven't practiced as much as the other. So I think there's some questions that still be answered as far as rounding out seven or eight, Randy
0: all right hang on kevin we've got one more segment with Hoop scoop better known as kevin mcpherson thanks to hogville.net and to our good friends chris and company at fence brokers drive time sports will continue now let's go to arkansas's premier basketball recruiting analyst Kevin Hoop Scoop McPherson for all the latest news for anything and everything basketball. Made possible by Fence Brokers. Fence Brokers going the extra mile. Well, Kevin, we were talking about not only the uh, backcourt for Arkansas, but we were also talking about maybe the top eight, which brings up an interesting question. Uh, with all the latest additions, is there kind of now a log jam talking about the log jam at the guard position what about maybe at the three or the four maybe even the five i don't think the five is nearly as crowded as what the three and the four spot looks like
1: yeah first of all when i was wrapping things up earlier i left out training mark's name in that top seven or eight rotation and so I kind of gave you seven because I gave you the four returnees, four of the five returnees in Devo, Brazil, uh, Makai Mitchell, and, and Jalen Graham. that I mentioned Khalif Battle and LLS, I think uh, it, to me, it's obvious Treyman Mark's going to be. I mean, he, he may be a day one starter and never relinquishes a, a starting position. Uh, that's how highly I think of him, but I think also the staff does. Um, so I, I think there's, a you know, that may be a likelihood there. Uh, so those, you know, but, but also Randy, I mentioned the two. Getting into your question, I mentioned the two f- senior three four, fifty year senior three-four combos in Lawson and, and, and Harris. I think those guys. You talk about a log jam in the front court. Any log jam they have in the front court is good news, it, 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 especially hoping that everybody stays healthy. Uh, given what Arkansas went through with Brazil last year, and then they've had a couple of guys out on that front line through June and, and, and July. Uh, practices. So you want everybody back at full health, but I think, you know, Brazil's so versatile um, as a four, you can play him at the five depending upon what what kind of lineup you want out there. And and there's so many things he brings to the floor because his ability to stretch the floor. And then he's a rim protector. You know, he's a guy that's kind of up and down as a rebounder. You want to see him really, you know, lock in on that end and maybe there's some maturity and added strength there a year later to be more consistent on the boards. But, you know, but Mitchell to me was a a solid player for the most part for Arkansas last year, very good for that team. Uh, We know it was a team that dealt with injuries and had its ups and downs and had youth issues and inexperience. But I thought, you know, he was for the most part a steady provider provider at both ends, producer at both ends. And then Jalen Graham's the guy that they feel good about what he's done so far. But he's a guy that, you know, defensively he's always been the question mark and and the inconsistency. So if he's working harder and he's buying in, maybe that's an area that he'll at least be consistently competent, if not a plus at times. Uh, But I think you want competition on that front line because there's not as many bodies there as what you have in the backcourt. Even Bay Fall can come in and be a difference maker in practices as he gets stronger and learns what they expect. I mean, Melsman talked about these kind of surprised him with his shooting touch and some of the three-point shooting. Uh, I'm not sure that they're going to really turn to him for that part of his game can, much, but, I mean, maybe, maybe you know, help, that's help that helps him get on the floor. But I think what really helps him is that length, quickness, end-to-end speed, and ability to, you know, get out of his area to make plays uh, because of some of those factors. And so a guy like Brazil brings that. I don't think there's anyone else on the front line that does outside of Paul with some of the physical gifts. So I think you want a log jam in, in some regard in terms of ability – and talent, not everybody plays the same way, but you need some depth there, especially if there's another injury or foul trouble or something like that. So I think Arkansas, this is one of the one of the reasons I really like this roster. I talked about the, the experience and the amount of veterans, but I also think this may be the most diverse group when I start kind of looking at what everybody brings to the table. Arkansas never could really in, tap into the diversity the last year's team had. There's probably their, their two guys who had more offensive abilities at three levels. Brazil and Nick Smith Jr. were out so much, and everybody else. Although there was real talent there, an NBA talent, we know that now. Just <laughs> it was easy to defend because they didn't have shooters, and so Kings just kind of sat back and said, "All right, come on in here. You, you know, you're going to have to make a tough shot. Maybe we foul you, and you're not a great free shooting team. We'll take our chances." Arkansas was a lot easier to defend because they became one-dimensional on offense, and they had a little bit of. Slippage. I thought last year still a top twenty team defensively, but instead of hovering around top ten, they were closer to twenty. And when you're struggling on offense, sometimes those little differences matter. And I, you know, and I attribute some of the just a slight defensive slippage to, to youth and inexperience.
0: All right, breaking news: Utah, Arizona State have applied for Big Twelve membership. Wow. The conference to meet tonight, mean the Big 12 <laughs> conference.
2: So the Big wow. 12 is going to – so all this has happened so fast. So Arizona – it's only been up tonight. Arizona State, Utah, Arizona supposedly is already in. It just hadn't been publicly announced. That's three in. That gives them 16. And tonight, Washington and Oregon will probably be in the Big Ten.
1: Correct. Big Ten. Yeah, Yeah.
2: so now you're looking at four schools left in the Pac-12, and, Randy, you're saying they're going to try and salvage with SMU and San Diego State, and I'm going to tell you, that league is just dead. There's no salvaging it. It's gone.
0: Wow. Hard to believe that uh, one day you had the Pac-12, Colorado pulls the plug after USC, UCLA. Now you've got three more that's pulled the plug. So.
2: And, you know, the really funny thing about all this is uh, Oregon's coach, we said a couple days ago, when at their Pac-12 media days or whatever it was, somebody, asked, or maybe it was at a practice, they asked him about Colorado going to the Big 12, and he said, who cares about that? What have they done lately? <laughs> and now, two or three days later, Oregon's out of the league too. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
0: Wow. Uh, I guess – is the only thing left now, does the Big 12 change their name to the Big 16?
2: Well, they're in the Big 16, so they could, yeah, they could do that. And then does the, the Big 10 goes to the Big 18? Yeah, Big or, 18 or what? And and you're telling me, I, I haven't seen anybody interested in Cal and Stanford, <laughs> but you're telling me somebody is. Does, so
1: Does the SEC change its name to still number one? <laughs> <laughs>
2: they just care more. Yeah,
1: and, and that's that's. <laughs> they just the, more. They just care more, and it's yeah. You know, I guess top to bottom, sport to sport, if you, if you add it all up, it, it, is it not the best league every year? Yes. Okay.
0: It is absolutely crazy. Kevin, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk with you next Thanks, week. Sure. That is Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net. Thanks again to our friends at Fence Brokers, Chris Walker and Company.